0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
1: Welcome to another episode of Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. I'm Pete Sampson with Tim Priester. And Tim O'Malley, and we're a couple weeks away from the start of the season. Training camp is officially over. Uh, classes start this week at Notre Dame, so we're kind of getting into the real season grind here. And before we jump into questions from our readers in Segment 2, Segment 1, will to wrap up some news. The AP poll came out, uh, so we can talk about that. But I think first, just some injury personnel news. Sean Crawford out for the year with a torn ACL. Uh, that happened late last week. And then I think that sort of set in a... I don't know, kind of a chain reaction there that led to a pretty big surprise. I think for all three of us on Friday when we talked to Brian Kelly after that practice, that Devin Butler is the third
2: corner. Everybody was shocked to hear that. You know, good news for uh, for Devin Butler, and I mean good news for Notre Dame when you have an upperclassman, uh, you know, reach up and and grab a spot. Is it? Uh, it it's not uh, something in uh, cement per se. It's obviously something that could change because Nick Watkins is a player and Nick Coleman's a player. But you know, um, I mean, I I think the injury to Sean Crawford is going to be one that's kind of going to be swept under the carpet, but it's a big one for Notre Dame. He came out, won the job, beat out uh, Matthias Farley for the job. And I just think his ability to defend, um, you know, I don't know exactly how that impacts Brian Van Gorder's uh, desire to blitz. Uh, he lost a blitz. He's going to anyway. But I think we, by having Sean Crawford on the field, you can feel a lot better about sending Jalen Smith on on the pass rush. They dropped him in a lot of coverage last year, and so that hurts. You know, it's a tough break. I don't know exactly. uh Well, Kavari Russell, I guess, takes over the the nickel spot, and Butler moves into the the corner spot when they do that. But. That's a blow for Notre Dame, one that I don't think is going to be accentuated because we never saw Sean Crawford play in a game. I was really
0: looking forward to seeing him play, though, just from listening to uh, Todd Light talk about him. He talked about how he was so instinctive that once they were in a blitz package and he was cut off and he just decided, I'm going to go shoot the A-gap. He got a sack out of it in scrimmage. He couldn't believe he saw a freshman that he never taught to do that decide to do it. it. It's something Instinctive is good at nickel, so is speed. They all talk about how fast he is. We like how aggressive he was and how competitive he was. I don't, it's not like he beat out Kavari Russell, but if you think about it, they decided they didn't need to have Kavari Russell play yeah. the most challenging spot of nickel because they had Sean Crawford, so obviously he was doing quite well. And yeah, the Devin Butler thing, it, it's so interesting to me because this was the day they famously changed numbers, so I didn't know who number 24 was, and he was leading the team... Who'd you in, think? In it, who did you think it I had was? no idea because I knew it wasn't <laughs> Farley and I I, I couldn't no. figure it out. I was like, who is that? Redfield? That I saw Redfield, you took a picture of Redfield. I didn't know who it was. So I was asking around, and when I when I said to somebody there, is that Devin Butler? He said, Not if he's leading the team in calisthenics, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but it was Devin Butler, and obviously it was a reward for recent good practices. Pete, you mentioned once when you were watching the defense you saw Devin Butler have a good practice when we had kind of been Previously, bagging on. Him. Yeah, I
1: mean, it's yeah. more of a couple good reps. Okay. Um, you know, he got picked on a lot in the videos that Notre Dame put up on their site, and even when we saw him, it just you you look at his game and you just wonder if he has the top end speed to be a corner uh, at this level against top top teams. I I don't know the answer to that. Um, who knows how long this experiment will work? I mean, we may be talking about this after the Clemson game and Devin Butler gives up a couple touchdowns and Matthias Farley moves back in. And then Kavari Russell moves back outside. I'm, I'm surprised that the coaches didn't just go back to Farley because they love him. He's trustworthy. They, you know what you're going to get and what you're not going to get. And it seems like this staff really values that. So I'm surprised they didn't go back that route. I think they will. I think that that was his answer
0: to the question. Who's your third corner? Devon Butler move Russell inside. I
1: think the nickel is Kavari
0: Russell's nickel when it's 3rd and 11, and you'll see a lot of Farley. Yeah, out. there's no
2: harm in, you know, yeah. two weeks before your first game to throw out the name of a, a veteran football player. I, I You know, I... Uh, was he lying? I don't know whether, whether you would go so far as to say that. But, I mean, I, it's just, I think it's good to throw out the name of a veteran player. And, hey, look, I'm sure Devin Butler's been playing pretty well. You wouldn't yeah. you wouldn't I completely, mean, you know, fabricate gets, that. You know, he
1: gets the first shot. And we see this every year with teams all across the country. Guys who get the first shot sometimes are out of the lineup by halftime. Um, you just don't know how it's going to work out in live bullets. Devin Butler has at least played, though, good, bad, or indifferent. He had the pick against yeah. Purdue but was also on the field a lot towards the end of the year. Arizona State, he had a really difficult time. Uh, I think that's sort of the memory that sticks with me when I have concerns about does he have the straight-end speed,
2: but is he going to see Jalen Strong every week? Probably not. Yeah, and as we said, I think we mentioned it last week, in the Bob Diaco defense, he was a good fit. Mm -hmm. You know, keep the ball in front of you, a little bit bigger corner that can be physical with you that doesn't have to, to chase receivers all over the field. Well, the AP poll came out, and Notre Dame with its highest ranking number 11 which was where they were in the coaches poll the number 11 in the AP poll which is their highest preseason ranking since 2006 when Charlie Weiss came in went 9 and 3 and Nording was number 2 in the preseason in, in 2006 but you know I've done a couple stories on this and again today that it's it's uh it's kind of a curse when Notre Dame is ranked highly because they generally don't live up to that preseason billing of the last 50 years they have only finished better than their preseason, ranking 13 times. Now, that may mean they were unranked in the preseason and finished unranked, but only better than their preseason, ranking third time, uh, um, 13 times. Of the eight times Nordame has been ranked in AP preseason top 25 since 2000, they've finished unranked five of those eight times. Uh, since the end of the Holtz era in 1996, Notre Dame has finished higher than its preseason AP, ranked just four out of eighteen times. I don't know if that's worth anything, uh, because this looks like a pretty good football team. But if you're going to finish higher than number eleven, you probably have to go, we were talking about this off there, eleven and two with a bowl win. If you're ten and three, and maybe with a bowl win, win you yeah. could get up to the, that high. But the challenge is there at number eleven preseason. Yeah, double digit wins and winning your last game. That's yeah. been yeah. pretty difficult yeah. for Notre Dame over the
1: last twenty years. So it's kinda You you feel like this team has the material to do it, but I'm sure in the last 25 years, if we had been doing podcasts in the the 90s, we probably would have said, yeah, we feel like Notre Dame has a lot of material and probably should outplay the ranking.
0: And I think um, we're very close to what's going on, and so we know Jerron Jones. Maybe if they re-poll everyone and say, hey, by the way, Notre Dame's starting nose tackles out, they're a little lower. But if you don't know that, I mean, I would have argued them if I was doing a preseason ranking, 7 to 10, right? 6 to 10, If if, if you don't consider the injuries that we... Know about and stuff like that. I think that roster is a top ten
2: roster. Yeah, and with other the guys depth coming lost, back, yeah. the experience coming back. I don't know how you know if ever Golson was the quarterback. Did I say on the air? Did we say this last week that why I'm changing subs here? I'm sorry, but ever Golson why he's not on any preseason Heisman Trophy watch list? Isn't that kind of insane? Yeah, because they're huge lists. <laughs> they are. huge. Well, yeah, they are huge, huge lists. He's on a. He's on. He's at Florida State, and he's going to throw for thirty five hundred to four thousand right. yards. That's worthy of being on a Heisman watch. I'm not saying he's going to win it, but how does Everett Golson not be placed on a Heisman watch list of Florida State?
1: Yeah, I mean he's what are there 25 quarterbacks better than him? (laughs) Probably not. Um, So so, yeah, but I mean it's like the coaches' poll. They were ranked Notre ranked 11 the preseason there. They were also ranked 11 after the BCS national championship game year. You know, and that that team finished below that as well, Uh, but I mean, I think you look at the 2013 team, wherever Golson gets suspended versus the 2015 team, wherever Golson just leaves, this roster is so much better now than it was that season, so yeah, I mean, if there ever was a Notre Dame team in the modern, modern era that
2: should outperform or could outperform its preseason rank, it's got to be this one. Yeah, the surprise was not, I mean, Brian Kelly came out and said the other day, this is the... Most athletic, deepest, most talented team I've coached in our name. I mean, yeah, true. No. I, I don't see how you can maybe we're surprised that he actually verbalized it, but it's absolutely true. They're going
0: to be fun to watch. The peak that 2013
2: team was boring. I mean, that was pulling teeth after a while. There, it was well, really your, just your expectations uh... <laughs> of where the offense would go yeah. with the second year of Golson were dashed, and uh, yeah. That was kind of yeah. frustrating here. All
1: right. Well, that's it for segment one along with Notre Dame's training camp. we got some player interviews later today uh, and then player interviews later in the week. But we'll get into fan questions next on segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider.
2: Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by irishillustrated.com is our burning up the boards section. And we'll go with a question from Golston Guy, which is wrong on so many different levels. But his question is, what the hell happened with Hunter Johnson going to Tennessee? I mean, it's a blow for Notre Dame. Uh, I think we mentioned on a previous podcast,
1: while Notre Dame was highly, highly confident over the summer, people around Hunter Johnson and his family would have told you that the family was a little bit wary of Brian Kelly's staying power at Notre Dame, and Mike Sanford to a lesser extent too. And I think the timeline for the decision worked against Notre Dame because, I mean, you, you look anywhere nationally if you're a quarterback and you're committing before your junior year of high school. By the time, not only by the time you show up, but let's say by the time you're ready to play as a sophomore, we're talking four years mm-hmm. from now. That entire staff is going to be different. Yeah. I mean, there are not too many places where. Your coordinator, your quarterback coach, and you, and your head coach are the same through four years. I mean, at Notre Dame, we're in year six of Brian Kelly, and we're on our fourth offensive coordinator.
2: Whereas, so, and, and if Butch Jones has success at Tennessee, just, he's going to be the head coach at, yeah, at then, Tennessee. Yeah, that's
1: you look at Butch Jones and Mike Deboard, the offensive coordinator, quarterback. So it's like, where would they go? Right. You know, they're not going to go Pro. They're not going to take another SEC job. I mean. I don't think they're going to replace Brian Kelly if he goes to the Giants. Like, I, I don't know how that would all work. So there's more stability at Tennessee only because there's not going to be upward movement of the staff right. elsewhere. They're in a rebuilding process. All right, so Notre
2: already has a verbal commitment for me and Book. Where do they go from here without Hunter Johnson? You know, it's uh, Dylan McCaffrey's a guy to watch out of Colorado. Uh, extremely
1: talented Fortunately, his brother is Christian McCaffrey, who's the starting running back at Stanford right now. So there's all sorts of connections there. His dad as well, Ed McCaffrey. You know, Tyler Little, a lot of servite in California is interesting. He came out for the Irish invasion. I mean, they've they've had guys. I want to say Jake Allen, who's a quarterback here for the Irish invasion. He's committed to Florida. There are guys on the board. Um, you know, they they have to kind of start over a little bit because they basically have been telling everyone, "Hey, we got to wait on Hunter Johnson." And I think if there's an upside at all with this in Notre Dame, it's that we're sitting here on August twenty-fourth and Hunter Johnson's off the board. Even if he's not to you, you still have eighteen months to get right. your stuff together on junior quarterbacks. We've got our next question from Irish Fan Three. What is realistic expectation for Notre Dame's leading sack man? Seven sacks? Is that the If that's the number my money is on Jalen Smith being the guy, what do you have? I like the number,
0: obviously since I wrote a whole story on it, I like Andrew Trembetti to lead the team in sex. (laughs) Um, I like the the Jalen Smith call is an interesting one after talking to Van Gorder and Smith and seeing him in camp, knowing they are going to activate him a little bit more or a lot more than last year. Um, we mentioned how much is it affected by Crawford not being the nickel. I do think Smith will get opportunities. Um, I really think Trembetti is going to be the rush end. Um, position that we've always been trying to put a rookie in. I think he will play some base and then play full-time rush end. I still like, I think Sheldon Day has bad luck when he's in the pocket. I think he gets in there and makes some plays, and I think maybe finally he could uh, hit that 6-7 sack range after having, what, half a sack last year. But he penetrates, he gets in there, he causes some problems. So I, I think Day could run into it, but I think Seven's a good... That's a good call on the number to lead whoever does it.
2: I think picking sack leaders is one of the most difficult things yeah. to project because it is such a collective effort, especially since Notre Dame doesn't have a true, you know, leading sack guy, guy. You know, a guy that we would would be a consensus choice. Um, you know, Brian Van Gorder is going to throw the kitchen sink at people. I certainly think that Jalen Smith is a guy that's much more involved, despite what I said in segment one about the loss of. Sean Crawford, you're still going to bring Jalen Smith and and like Kavari Russell do that work on the back yep. end, but uh, you know I, I don't I I just think because of their approach I don't think that there's going to be one standout like somebody getting 11. I think it's just going to be a collective approach. I, I'm interested to see how much better Isaac Rochelle is as a pass rusher, but I don't see him as a leading candidate. I you know, I tend to agree with if it's a defensive lineman from Betty. Mm-hmm. If it's some, it's somebody within the scheme. It's Jalen Smith.
1: I don't think anybody's going to get to ten. Uh, I feel pretty strongly about that. I'll, I'll put a chip in for Sheldon Day leading the team in sacks, but I think it's probably going to be under seven. I think they'll probably have a bunch of guys with three or four. Um, pass rush is my biggest concern with this team in terms of
2: just like one area of the, of the squad, and I don't think that anything is going to alleviate that term here. yeah you know uh, talking to Van Gorder on media day said well we you know we can get pressure we can get pressure yeah. oh you're talking about a four man rush well we got to get better at that so you know they're going to get pressure How many sacks are going to get when they actually have a four-down lineman rush? Probably not a whole lot. I
0: found that answer. I was sitting there, too. I found that answer intriguing because he looked at the person asking the question like he had five heads. He's like, well, I'm always going to bring pressure. And he's oh, you mean without totally exposing the back seven. (laughs) And it it seemed that, yeah, he he has
1: the same. I mean, I could just see uh, Jalen's inside. Joe Schmidt's inside. They walk them up by the center and then are you really going to double team Sheldon Day at that point you can't I mean I think that's how you sort of create stuff for Sheldon Day is with sort of faux looks from your inside linebackers and I, I Sheldon Day is due for a healthy season finally uh and I talked to him a little bit about that on media day about some of the different things he's doing like you know got orthotics in his shoes to help with knee pain and just like he's he's trying he's Kind of taken a more scientific approach to staying healthy, and he's he's just he's due for a healthy season after really three seasons of frustration.
2: Question from ADK 46 er What upperclassman has impressed, and who has disappointed during training camp? Both upperclassmen.
0: I have an upperclassman a little outside the box because I don't think he was great last year, and people just accepted he was going to be. I think Nick Martin is impressed. Okay, and it's not fair because Nick Martin went into last year with a knee injury that obviously plagued him. And then he had to switch positions cause he tore ligaments in his thumb. So saying he didn't do well last year is probably coming down harshly on a kid, but he didn't have a great year last year. And I've been very impressed by his leadership, physical play. I, I think that, I, you know, I, I, we anointed him a little too much, but I think he has come through in this without a real game being played yet.
1: Yeah. I think Dick Martin, that'd be my pick too, because you have to look at last year as a disappointment and that doesn't mean it's all on him. I mean, he got injured twice. That's That happens. But, you know, talking to the coaching staff before last season, I mean, they thought Nick Martin was going to be great. Uh, it just never really happened for him. Um, but, I mean, now you hear his voice out there. If he stays healthy this year, I, I think he'll have a playing my way into a third or a fourth-round pick type senior year. Yeah. I I
2: mean, I don't disagree with you. And, and certainly what you said, Tim, about in terms of leadership, that, that has clearly come out. I think just physically – Ronnie Stanley. I mean, when yeah. you know It's kind of like a cat and mouse. You know, sometimes I mean, he's kind of batting batting the mouse around, uh, just because he's he has the technique down. He's got he's in control of his body. He's massive. Uh, he's got it down pretty well. I mean, I think he's lining himself uh, to clearly be a first round draft choice, I, based upon what we saw last Friday. I would say Chris Brown. Chris Brown had a really really great day, and not only made great catches, but I'm always big on body language. Body, his body language was I'm a big time receiver out here today, and I was impressed with that. I, you know, Isaac Rochelle. I think he's a leader of this team. Whether he's actually uh, designated a captain, which we should be hearing about that at any time, right? They they voted on that. Jalen Smith's impressive. Kavari Russell looks like a first round draft choice to me. So I think there are plenty of upperclassmen that. You know, that have impressed. I don't know who you would say necessarily uh, upperclassmen that have disappointed.
0: I think Robinson in that he is not the number two receiver. Chris Brown's
1: the number two receiver. I mean, Todd Light even mentioned. We haven't seen Corey Robinson take one rep over Chris Brown. No, no. I mean, it's, it's just in terms of, like, the formal 11-on-11 11 11 type stuff. Yeah, and even Todd Light kind
0: of threw in Brown's name with Fuller. He was talking about the young corners. He said, I tell them every day, go see Will Fuller, go see Chris
1: Brown. That's what makes you better. And, I, you know, that's coming wow. from the secondary coach. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I think he'd be the guy he'd have to name.
1: I wanted to see Elijah Shumate really take a big step. I mean, he he was sort of my, this guy's under the radar a little bit. I expect him to have a kind of a breakout senior year. Um but then you see him rotating with Avery Sebastian a little bit more. And I, I'm not sure in the four-and-a-half practices that we've seen that I saw a ton out of Shoemade. I mean, he made some plays here or there. Um,
2: but that I, I guess I just wanted to see more from him than I did. I, I agree, and, and he's a guy that I've been saying that I think is going to have a big year. I'm just wondering if, you know, camp ended, quote, preseason camp ended Friday. And I just wonder if some of those things that we saw were just typical camp stuff especially with veterans like let's see what exactly what we have with with uh, Avery Sebastian and you know I mean maybe Shoemate had had taken a ton of reps the previous two days I don't I don't really know but I will say that Shoemate didn't look to be in great shape to me I know that his explanation was he has a you know some extra pounds to withstand camp I don't know that I buy that completely. You still, I, I don't think it matters. You come in in as great a shape as you possibly can. I don't think you did that. But I also have to, to say that I wonder if we're, maybe we read too much into it, into that, and now, and we're not going to be able to see any reps in practice, but now are the true reps as we sure, stand yeah. in I the mean, I'll, chart. I'll be
1: pretty surprised if, On Saturday night in a couple weeks, if Elijah Shoemate isn't taking 85% of the reps at safety. Right. So
2: we may be overplaying that a little bit,
1: but we'll see. L.R. Irish, can you guys talk a little bit about the safeties and how you see the depth chart playing (laughs) out there? (laughs) I've just listened to the podcast. I I think many of us were banking on Shoemate starting alongside Redfield this year. It sounds like Redfield is doing fine and has no competition spot what's up with Shoemate? He's right about Redfield doing fine and having no competition at his spot because
0: uh, Redfield is clearly the free safety. Uh, Todd Light said that they do a lot of cross-training. We haven't seen a ton of it. I saw a little Friday. Um, I think the depth chart that will come out will be Redfield, Shoemate as starters with Tranquil and Sebastian as backups, but Tranquil will not be the actual backup free safety, I think. Redfield turns an ankle. It's Matthias Farley. And then the week that passes, they'll decide to see if Shoemate has to go there.
2: I think you can... You can- you know, in black and white, looking at the the, the uh, newsprint with, with the depth chart, it looks pretty good, but I think reality is it's three guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, Sebastian behind Shoemate and Redfield, the starter. Tranquil is a – he's not re- – I know he practices a safety, but he's not really a safety. He's an in-the-box guy in passing situations. And really the same way with Farley. He will be listed
1: yeah.
2: either 2 or 2A as the backup free safety, but I don't know that that's realistic. So. Oh.
0: One thing about the listings, I remember ProSize wasn't on the depth chart last year, nor was he in the list of twenty-five guys that might see action. He started against Rice, so wouldn't worry too much when we release the depth chart that comes from Notre Dame. Yeah, and you know, Tranquil, we keep saying these things. He's going to play. He's just not going to be the backup receiver. Well, agent. here's <laughs> my
1: question about Tranquil. I think we we both sort of, or all three of us, liked what he offered as a dime back in the box. You know, showing blitz, coming and dropping in coverage a little bit. If Devin Butler's the third corner and Kavari Russell is the nickel, wouldn't Matthias Farley then take that role as a dimeback? Wouldn't he displace Drew Tranquil, who Brian Van Corder said on media day was quote-unquote
2: rusty right now? Yeah, Wouldn't that be Farley's shot? I don't know. We should have asked about dime when we asked about nickel the other day, and we can follow up with that this week. But, uh, you know, it'll all be clear within the first quarter of the, <laughs> of the first game. But, um I don't know. I, I mean, I think the depth at, at, at safety is, in theory, better, but I just, when it comes to straight defense, which Notre Dame doesn't, I mean, they don't ultimately end up playing that all the time, you know, the depth, the actual depth at safety is still pretty shaky. I
0: think their throw-in, the game depth is fine, and then it would get exposed later on. You could lose Redfield for a quarter or two, as long as it's not Clemson, and you could, you know, go play the game, but then all of a sudden USC's coming down the road 2 weeks later and that would Yeah. Save I mean
2: people have asked me about Barati know Barati's not in play realistically. Um Nico Fortita's not ready to play, John Turner. No, you right, know, I mean yeah. I, think, yeah. I, think, I think McKelty, McKelty, McKelty Williams really long term I think teams, is yeah. yeah. now. Yeah. And
1: then, you know, but ne- I mean next year when we're next year when this question is asked about the safeties, I mean we might not know what the heck's going right. on there cuz Redfield could be gone, Shumate Sebastian will be gone. Charlie will be gone. Probably gone. Farley, Farley will be gone. Barati will be gone. Farley will be gone. I mean, it's at that point we could be talking about starting safeties, McKelty Williams, and to be determined graduate right. transfer.
2: Well, they can they can keep recruiting safeties right up until signing day. Yeah. I mean, they just they need that many bodies. Uh, what do we have next? We have Todd Light House Five Brandy to have any shot at the playoffs this year. We desperately need basic competence. From our backup defensive, defensive tackles, how much confidence do you have that Cage, Hayes, Maqua, Matuska will be effective in limited snaps, especially against the best teams on the schedule?
1: Oh, I draw a big line between the first two guys and the second two guys there. Uh, do I have confidence that Cage and Hayes can give you good 25 snaps a game? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think those guys could be good quality college football players right now in backup capacities. Pete Makwa and Jacob Matuska I don't feel that way. I, I don't think that you can get effective work from them when the game's on the line um, with where they are right now. And I think what we've seen in training camp in terms of who's getting reps and how many would, would back that up. I agree with Pete's line, Matuska and Makwa, but
0: uh, I might drop Cage down to the, I don't believe he is ready to go in and help them beat Texas, Georgia Tech, and Clemson. And I think I like Hayes because I like his potential. It's nothing from camp. It's it's kind of what we've we've heard about Jay Hayes and seen on the old film. But I agree that but a line should be drawn there. I mean, I don't think Tim, you talked to Coach Gilmore. Makwa's not ready right now. Well, I'd draw a
2: second line, yeah. and Mach would be behind. I would have <laughs> Matuska. I would have Matuska. Third, yeah. yeah, I would yeah. have Matuska because you know what? Matuska does have. He's got a nice frame. He's stronger. He made he's now and up okay. Yeah, I mean, I have got some belief there, but. I mean, generally, I think we're in accordance here. Cage, I don't, I don't believe it. He, you think, okay, he's 300 and whatever pounds, he can at least hold the point of attack. No, he really can't. I mean, I see him get sealed off all the time. The guy that I have the most confidence in is True freshman Tillery, and we still don't know exactly how many snaps they can get from him. But you know what? He's a look. There's enough potential there, and that body and frame is good enough that he's going to make some plays although the long term. Again, I think he's a better three technique, and then Jerron Jones comes back at the
0: nose. I have a lot of confidence in uh, when Isaac Rochelle gets moved inside, despite what they keep yeah, saying. Exactly. <laughs> gonna that's, that's well right. Yeah, exactly. He's going to do well there. I think that. Yeah. So for Clemson, when he starts actually at nose tackle, until he's moved inside and they move day outside, no, I'm just kidding. But I think that you're going to see a lot of Isaac Rochelle inside. Yeah, I Gilmore.
2: I did there. talk to Gilmore, and Gilmore is reluctant to move Rochelle out of that big end spot, as he calls it, just because he's so effective yep. there. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it. it's six of one half dozen the yeah. other. What if you move them, you you weaken yourself there. Yeah. I mean, if Blankenship's ready to to play and if Bonner's ready to play, well then you then you can you can make the move. But they haven't made that move full time. So, I, you know, that tells you a little something where those two guys are.
1: Yeah, that's a, it's a big compliment to Jerry Tillery. Um, the fact that playing a true freshman is a better idea for Notre Dame in the coach's mind than playing a redshirt freshman who's been like in Bonner or Blankenship who's played a little bit at least or kind of doubling up with O'Quara and Trombetti on the field at the same time, which I, I feel like that could be a pretty easy solution if right. you wanted to go that. If you wanted, okay, we're just going to move Rochelle inside. Tillery's going to back them up, but they're going to rotate a lot. Okay. Hayes backs up Day. You start O'Quarr and Trombetti at end, and then you got Bonner and Blankenship rotating with can those you count guys.
2: On, can you count on O'Quarr giving you 60 quality snaps a game now? I, I, you I have mean, to now. You, you you're in to, trouble you, you, if you can. You, you got to find
1: out. you got to find out. I mean, he's he looks a lot bigger, and he looks he looks more like Isaac Rochelle than he has ever has before physically. Yeah. So if, if the big part of not moving Rochelle is... Well, we can't afford to take that big, strong body off the edge. Well, maybe Aquar is a lot closer to being that big, strong body now. That actually was Isaac Grishelli to switch numbers on
0: Friday. Oh, right. So it's <laughs> <he looks, laughs> he looked, looked really good confusing. that day. It <laughs> yeah, wasn't those yeah, the two. Yeah, that I those the two that switched. I mean,
2: yeah. really, when you look at keys of the season, you start talking nine and three, ten and two. Romeo Aquar is right at the top of that list. If you can't get quality production, and I know he should have redshirted and he should have another year of, uh, of eligibility. But he doesn't, and they absolutely need him to be a consistent performer. And even if he had redshirted another year, he should still be good this year. It's a senior year. Right. He should still be ready to roll. This is supposed
1: to happen. Right, right. All right. Well, that's it for another episode of Irish Illustrated Insider. We'll be back on August 31st, our first game week podcast. We'll get into Texas a lot then. We'll wrap up sort of our two media access points this week, maybe talk a little bit more recruiting. But definitely get full speed into the Longhorn. So until then, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, I'm Pete Sampson. You've been listening to another episode of Irish Illustrated Insider.